Hello, this is Snigdha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Monday, the 14th of September. India recorded over 92,000 new cases of COVID-19 today, taking the total case tally to over 48 lakhs or 4.8 million. We've been reporting the highest number of new cases in the world with an average of 90,000 cases per day since the first week of September. The death toll has risen by over 1,000 and is now just a few hundred short of 80,000. 17 members of the Lok Sabha have tested positive for COVID-19 after mandatory tests were carried out before the monsoon session of the parliament started this morning. Among the infected MPs, the BJP has a maximum number, that is 12. The YSR Congress has two MPs, the Shiv Sena, DMK and RLP have one each. The Lok Sabha members were tested at the Parliament House on September 13th and 14th. Meanwhile, gyms and yoga institutes have been allowed to resume services from today in Delhi. However, they will have to comply with COVID norms such as wearing masks, social distancing and sanitizing hands. Weekly markets have also been permitted to remain open till the 30th of September. Health and Family Welfare Minister Harshwardhan has said today that India may get a vaccine against the virus in the first three months of 2021. He also offered to take the very first dose of the vaccine to verify its safety. Yesterday, Andhra Pradesh police filed a case against BJP leader Buddha Srikanth Reddy for forcefully entering a temple in Kurnool where entry had been banned due to the pandemic. Uttar Pradesh has conducted 75 lakh tests for COVID-19 so far, making it the first state in the country to do so. Meanwhile, the President of the United States, Donald Trump, has claimed that the Prime Minister Narendra Modi praised him for doing a great job with COVID-19 testing. He also took the opportunity to lash out at the Democrats for failing to handle the swine flu when they were in power. Former JNU student and human rights activist Umar Khalid was arrested by the special cell of the Delhi police late last night under the Draconian Unlawful Activities Prevention Act. This was after close to 11 hours of questioning. He is alleged to have been one of the main conspirators in the riots that broke out in northeast Delhi between 23rd and 26th February this year. Weeks of protests against the Citizenship Amendment Act and the National Register of Citizens that began in December last year were followed by an incendiary speech full of open threats by BJP leader Kapil Mishra. The riots occurred not long after. Mishra, however, remains free of any charges in the same case. More than 50 people, a majority of them being Muslims, had lost their lives and hundreds had sustained serious injuries during these clashes. An FIR was registered against Khalid on the 6th of March, alleging that the Delhi riots had been a part of a premeditated conspiracy planned by Khalid and three others from different organizations. The FIR states, and I quote, Khalid allegedly gave provocative speeches at two different places and appealed to the citizens to come out on the streets and block the roads during the visit of US President Donald Trump to spread propaganda at the international level about how minorities in India are being persecuted. Unquote. The police officer who had lodged the FIR alleged that as a part of the conspiracy, ammunition such as petrol bombs, acid bottles and stones were stored at houses in the riot-affected areas of Jafrabad, Chanbagh, Gokulpuri and Shivvihar. The FIR also alleges that a co-accused, Danish, was given the responsibility to gather rioters to take part in the violence. The FIR further mentions that the protests under the Jafrabad metro station where women were blocking roads were orchestrated to create communal tension in the neighbourhood. 
The Delhi Police Crime Branch had also filed a charge sheet against ex Ahmadmi Party councillor Tahir Hussain, who had also allegedly played a role in the Delhi riots. According to the Delhi Police, Hussain met Umar Khalid and Khalid Sefi of the United Against Hate organization at Shaheen Bagh protests in January. Umar Khalid allegedly told him to be prepared for the riots at the time of Trump's visit and that he and his supporters will help Hussein financially. Umar Khalid had also been interrogated on 31st of July when his phone was seized. His arrest has been widely criticized and united against hate, the activist group of which Umar Khalid is a member said and I quote, the fairy tale narrative that the Delhi police has been spinning and criminalizing protests in the garb of investigating riots finds yet another victim. Unquote. Khalid's lawyer has also called the charges completely false, fabricated and procured illegally through duress. Khalid had earlier said at a conference, and I quote, It is an upside-down world that we are living in, in which these organizations and individuals that have worked for communal harmony are being implicated. Unquote. Several other JNU students, including Devangana Kalita and Natasha Narwal, who were associated with the Pindra Tor movement, have also been charged under the Draconian Unlawful Activities Prevention Act, or UAPA. They too have been accused of playing a role in the Northeast Delhi violence. Additionally, opposition leaders such as CPIM Chief Sitaram Yachuri and Swaraj Abhiyan Chief Yogendra Yadav have also been named in the Delhi riots case. Khalid is said to be produced before a court in Delhi on Monday. Unidentified police officials also told the Indian Express that they are likely to file a charge sheet against him in the next couple of days. Do read Ayush's report based on his interview with Umar Khalid not long before he was arrested. It is titled, There Will Be Fake Stories About Me Once I'm Arrested. Umar Khalid on rights probe and his imminent arrest. Dear listeners, if you're still confused about what really went down during the Delhi riots, I urge you to go to newslaundry.com and read our reports. We have several ground reports on the incident, some of which were reported while the violence was still taking place. Read the report on Tahir Hussain by Ayan Sharma. It is titled, Indian Media Has Made Tahir Hussain the Face of Delhi Riots. What's the Evidence? While the expelled Ahmadmi Party councillor is accused of orchestrating communal violence based on social media, he calls it dirty politics. Our reporters Ayush and Basant have also been consistently following the developments in the Delhi riots case and they've even penned down several in-depth ground reports for our News Laundry Sena series, which is an initiative by News Laundry that allows readers like you to fund the stories that you want to hear. Through their investigation of the Delhi police's probe into the riots, Ayush and Basant found not just one but many, many loopholes. Let's take the case of 25-year-old Shahid Alam's murder. He was an auto driver from Mustafabad in northeast Delhi who was shot on February 24th, the second day of the riots. The Delhi police arrested six Muslim men in the case on the basis of witness statements from three migrant workers, all of whom told News Laundry that the statements are fabricated. You can read the details of the report titled, Delhi Riots, in Shahid Alam's Murder, Witnesses Cry Fabrication by Police. There are several reports under the same series and you must read them to get a complete picture of the events that occurred, which is something that you might not get if you depend on legacy media houses for news. And you know exactly why. They are dependent on advertisers and sponsors for money and very often it happens to be the government. Now you can put two and two together to see why you might be getting one-sided news on the events where the government did not perform its duties. And this is why we at News Laundry keep harping on the importance of independent media organizations. We are one such organization and we depend on you to keep us afloat through your subscriptions. 
We are 100% free of advertisements. So go to the website, look at all the stuff we do. And if you think we're doing a good job, then please hit that subscribe button on the top right corner of the website. A journalist from Tripura was beaten up at his house after he criticised the Chief Minister Biplab Deb's comments. On Friday, the BJP leader and the Chief Minister of the state had issued a statement lashing out at the media for its alleged confused coverage of the COVID-19 crisis in the state. He remarked, and I quote, A few newspapers and journalists are getting overexcited and confusing the people of Tripura. History would not forget them. I will also not forgive them. People of Tripura will not forget them. Unquote. The journalist Parashar Biswas consequently released a video in response to this statement on Facebook. In his video, the journalist warned the chief minister against threatening the media. He further said that many others will stand with him to criticise this move of the government. Within 12 hours of his post, Biswas was beaten up outside his house in Ambasa on Saturday night by unidentified people. He was critically injured and was hospitalised in Agartala. Several journalists have accused the BJP of this attack, including Subal De, the editor of Shandan Patrika, where Biswas works. Journalists also held a meeting called the Assembly of Journalists in Agartala on Sunday. They condemned the attack and stated, and I quote, Within 24 hours of the Chief Minister's public threat to newspapers, a journalist has been attacked, beaten brutally. Unquote. They further expressed a feeling of growing insecurity amongst journalists in the state. The forum also asked the Chief Minister to withdraw his statement, warning him that they would approach the Governor, the Prime Minister Narendra Modi and the Press Council of India if he refused to do so. The chairperson of the Forum for Protection of Media and Journalists in Tripura, Subal Kumar De, has called the statement of the Chief Minister undemocratic and unconstitutional. He also remarked that the state is trying to enslave media persons and that the state government's orders are issued only to choke journalists' voices. However, the BJP has denied any responsibility for the attack. The Tripura BJP spokesperson further condemned the attack and claimed that none of their party members were involved in it. He also said that a police investigation is underway and if it finds any political party's involvement in the crime, law will take its course. At this point, I think it is a good idea to remind you, dear listeners, that India has slipped two points on the World Press Freedom Index this year to score 142 out of 180 countries. Yesterday, the Uttar Pradesh government issued a notification to set up a special security force in the state. This force will have the task of providing security to government buildings and offices, courts, airports, banks and educational institutions. It will consist of 10,000 personnel and will have the power to arrest people and undertake searches without any prior warrants. The court will not be allowed to act on any such actions of the members of the police forces without the permission of the UP government. UP Chief Minister Yogi Adityanath had approved the decision to form the force in June. Avanish Avasti, the additional Chief Secretary of Home of Uttar Pradesh, said, and I quote, The decision to form the force was the result of an order of the High Court which had ordered a specialised force for civil courts. Unquote. In December last year, following the shooting of a murder accused inside a court in Bijnor, the Allahabad High Court had criticised the state government over its lax security arrangements. Avanish Avasti further claimed that this is a dream project for Yogi Adityanath. He also estimated that the first phase of the project will incur expenses amounting to 1,747 crores. And now for some international updates. According to data released by the Johns Hopkins University, COVID-19 has infected 29 million people worldwide and killed more than 925,000. 
On Sunday, the World Health Organization reported a record rise in global COVID-19 cases. The total rose by almost 308,000 in 24 hours and the sharpest increases were seen in India, United States and Brazil. Israel has announced a three-week nationwide lockdown starting from September 18th to stop the spread of the virus. The country reported one of the world's highest surge in COVID-19 infection rates after a second wave of infections. In other news, a Chinese virologist has claimed that she has scientific evidence to prove that China fashioned the coronavirus in a government-controlled laboratory in Wuhan. Dr. Li Ming said that she had shared her discovery with her supervisor in China. However, she was told to maintain silence or she would be made to disappear. The virologist is currently residing in the United States where she is conducting research on the origins of COVID-19. Moving on, four Afghan women are part of a panel consisting of officials from the Afghanistan government which is discussing peace with the Taliban. These are the first direct talks between the Taliban and the representatives of the Afghan government. The militants had until now refused to meet the government, calling them powerless and American puppets. The two sides are aiming for political reconciliation and an end to decades of violence, which began in 1979 with the Soviet invasion. The Taliban did not mention a truce, reiterating instead that Afghanistan should be under Islamic law. These talks follow a US-Taliban security deal which was reached in February. Afghanistan has seen four decades of conflict with tens of thousands of civilians being killed. During Taliban's rule of Afghanistan, women were hardly given any rights in the country. Religious police would often beat up women on the street if they wore anything apart from burqas. Girls were not allowed to go to school and women were banned from working. Although the Taliban was toppled from power in 2001, not much has changed for women in Afghanistan. Amidst such a dismal state of affairs, the presence of women negotiating peace with Taliban offers a beacon of hope. Let me tell you a little bit about the panelists. Number one is Fawzia Kufi, who is a politician and a campaigner for women's rights. During Taliban's rule, her husband was jailed and she was threatened with stoning for wearing nail paint. She has survived two assassination attempts during her career. She also held unofficial talks with the Taliban in 2019. Number two is Fatima Gailani, who is an Islamic law expert and a negotiator. She was a spokesperson for the Mujahideen against the Soviets in the 1980s and was the former president of the Afghan Red Cross. The third is Habiba Sarabi, a teacher who was barred from working by the Taliban and was forced to take refuge in Pakistan in order to continue her career. On her return to her homeland, she became the country's first female provincial governor and has served as a minister twice. The fourth is Sharifa Zurmati, who is a former journalist and a local politician. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. Catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport. Visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel.